Welcome to the one within all to another episode of Interverse Podcast. I'm your host, Chance, and today we have got a super solar-powered human revolution of a conversation here. It's going to be so awesome. And in, in general, this podcast, we get into a lot of topics revolving around the occult and spirituality and mysticism, but we also need to take our time going into the real practical solutions for how to get our world out of the uh, damaged state that it's been in and into something where we can actually envision a future for many generations forward, a regenerative future, a permaculture future, a future where humanity remembers that we are not separate from nature. We are the living embodiment of the consciousness of nature. And we can take up our role as the stewards and caretakers of this realm and make it into an even greater paradise than it already is, despite some people's best efforts to uh, pollute and destroy. So I've got a really amazing guy here today, Matt Powers. He is the man behind the permacultureStudent.com. He does uh, YouTube videos, tons of videos. He's an author. He's a scientist. <laughs> He's really going to just blow our minds with uh, exciting information about how we can apply the incredible advances in the study of soil and the study of the biome, the macro and the micro connection, very alchemical. I first heard Matt talking to our good buddy Balderson over on Odin's Alchemy, and I knew I wanted to get him on here. And we're going to take a more 101 introductory route as best we can, because this is one of the areas of study that I need a lot more <laughs> learning on. So can't wait to get into it. Make sure you check out the permaculturestudent.com where you can find links to everything Matt does. This is somebody that you could actually take his information and apply it to your own life. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. If even just half of us were growing our own food, the world would have way fewer problems than it has right now. So super excited to get into it. Let's get going with the Superman of permaculture, Matt Powers. How you doing, dude? Welcome to interview. I'm doing, thank you for having me. I'm doing amazing. Very excited. Me too. Yeah. Amazing is the only way I like to do. <laughs> well, I mean, I have a morning routine. I have all these things I do in my business. 
all of it makes for an amazing life. Uh, everything. I mean, like you said, if we were growing all growing food, even just half of us were growing food, life would actually not just be less worse. It would be better. And we'd have more solutions. We'd have more energy. We'd have more clarity. And, and that's why, you know, morning rituals work so well. That's why aligning to natural cycles works so well. And so much of my work is doing that, like figuring out what actually is natural. And we live in such a natural states, you know, uh, I, I'm from the eighties, right? <laughs> I remember, you know, um, like the world of the nineties and the eighties, and it was just so saturated. And, and it was surreal, you know, looking back and how, how natural it was. And I started eating organic. Um, and, and then I realized it wasn't about just taking things out. It was about adding things in. I learned about biodynamic, permaculture, regenerative. And we have the ability to make food better than we can ever buy. Like, because it's from our own space and time like in our, like in our garden, right outside there in our local bioregion, but also like right there, like growing in the soil outside of our house that you did, that you, that you created that soil, you know, you, you nurtured that and you planted those seeds. And so you did all that. And there's, I believe a feedback loop that changes the person when you garden and when you eat that food, uh, it's an, especially if you're composting. So if you're composting, speaking of alchemical, uh, like alchemical, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't usually say that word, but um, yeah, I mean, it's straight up alchemy. You're, you're taking a concentration of from that experience and then you're feeding it back into it. And what does it do? Makes them hyper aware of their surroundings so much so that they have an immunological response and they take that those microbes in and digest them. Like compost is actually food for plants in a way because the microbes that don't survive as endophytes inside the plant get eaten by the plant. So when we compost, our simple act of taking all of organic matter and putting it into a bokashi bucket or a worm bin or a hot compost or passive hot compost, because there's those things now, you, you're part of this. And so I, I know that we had a deep conversation with Benjamin, but everyone can participate in this. And it's profound because it's like music where you could be making good soil, not understand the science and understand the mystery and the magic. And it's, it's profound. And even in, in, let me just put it this way, in composting up until like very recently, we had no like solid theory for why in the middle, as the compost heats up, suddenly thermophiles appear. <gasps> they come into life and they're from nowhere, conceivably. And then they disappear again when it cools off. And they have no explanation for that. And we have a theory now, which flips everything on its head. Like, uh, and, and we can talk about that. But, but the point is, is that we're doing stuff that is basically like to these scientists, they have no idea. It's basically magic. It's basically participating in this unknown that they're like, well, it works. Um, let's put this like temporary sticker on top of it and just say like, we figured it out. And it's like, that's what they're doing with a lot of things. 
And so that's the what mystery, science does. Yeah, they like give it a label or a name, and then they just kind of put it off to the side. Like, well, you know, it's just the uh, placebo effect. So we got that. Let's move on. But it never really I got know. explained. The thing about the thermophiles, though, I mean, where to even start? But in particular, that question of like the spontaneous generation of life. I think that that just might be what nature does. I think that we very, very poorly understand the world that we're in because we're limited to perceiving things right in the middle of the uh, electromagnetic spectrum between ultraviolet and infrared. And who knows, maybe like things that we thought were extinct or non-existent are actually just hanging out in a frequency range that we've lost track of because we've gotten so narrowed down. Okay. 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 So, so yes. And, and people have witnessed this and I know them and I trust them. They're not, they're not, they're not, out to lunch, they're permaculture designers and they set up these sites and then suddenly it's like endangered species, extinct things, things that haven't been seen in all over a hundred years are popping up out of the ground or there's these toads and it's like we're a thousand miles from anything like this. And, you know, and listen to what I figured out. I started doing DNA sequencing on like all the compost and then I was like, let's do controls of natural soils. And then we're doing this and it's like 40% unclassified and I'm like, Huh. 40% unclassified. Okay. Let's keep going. You know, and like, and then we're like, oh, E. coli is like 40 to 50% of every sample. I'm like, huh, is that a problem? And then I'm like looking into it. E. coli is like the main microbe. Like literally it's all over everything. And there's millions of species. And it's like the word mammal or animal in that like, it could be like any of the animals or any of the mammals. E. coli has millions of species and we know of about a dozen pathogens. That's pretty wild. That's better than humans with, in terms of like, you know, murderers probably. Right. Um, right? <laughs> That's a good millions point. Millions and like nine pathogens. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> we gave E. coli a bad name, but it's all over everything. And in fact, it's an endophyte inside the plants, keeping the plants strong and fed internally. It fixes nitrogen inside the plant out of the air. So, and then so it can also process nitrogen in the plant and balance out its protein synthesis. But that means it's in the plant when we eat it, the commensal ones, and they're in our digestion. They're in all digestion, all everywhere, all animals digestion, E. coli is in there. And that's why it's in the manures. Everyone's like, it's in the manure. Knew it. It's like, yeah, I, okay. <laughs> oh no, dirty germs. I actually saw an article that was like the headline. I didn't even bother because the headline was so stupid, but it was like, be careful when gardening. You should wear a mask because you could get germs from the soil that will give you a, a spontaneous heart attack. Well, let's unpack that because that happened to like 3% out of like the cases with soil. And so they decided to go gung-ho on soil and it was Aspergillus fumigatus. That comes from very specific situations. So it's from like the anaerobic disease causing situations. But why would Elaine Ingham, Dr. Elaine Ingham say before we like have the DNA testing be like, you know, disease causing conditions create the microbes of that. And it's like, create the microbes? Well, if that 40% is fragments of DNA, because DNA is really hard to break up, like really hard. Like it takes days to break DNA up and then fungi still fights you. So it, 
it's actually fragments of DNA that 40% of the soil profile is. And so horizontal gene transfer, which we all know about now, that's three things. That's the viruses that everyone talks about. But then it's also conjugation that no one likes talking about because we don't like admitting that all those little microbes are forming microphalluses and conjugating. Yes, that means sex. And they're all doing it all the time. And the phalluses spread in samples when you do this. Like, like it's crazy. It's weird. It's weird. But it's real. And you can see it. And they're like, and you're like, wait a second. How fast are they exchanging this DNA? And then you see something like skitter across the thing. You're like, you're like, who is that? And unless you're recording in like 4K, you're not going to know. And it's like things are happening so fast in, in this world. And I was like, okay. And the third, the third, oh dear. The third is dead DNA can be absorbed by any like bacteria and fungi and then used. It's absorbed through our skin and used by the bacteria and fungi in us, in our guts all the time. We're in this constant feedback loop with the past. And the DNA has all the DNA from all the past animals and all the past everything. So when we talk about how fungi, our muscular fungi, takes up the nuclei of any species and does all these different things, not any species, but like any fungi species, it seemingly does, and other species, and it can literally like bounce out different successional expressions through spores that weren't itself originally. Yes sourcing from the different nuclei but if it's just absorbing genetic material and constantly reshaping itself and then constantly adapting because the most recent studies have shown that evolution is not the way that actual adaptation primarily happens it's not through reproductive generational change in in response to the environment and competition no it's a feedback loop between us and the microbes all over everything between all the animals and us, the boundaries of our bodies are actually not these hard surfaces. They're porous. 60% of what touches our skin goes in. So I'm realizing as I'm doing this, holy cow, these E. coli are going through this situation and going, oh, it's pathogenic like conditions. I'm now going to take up the genes from the past in this substrate and I'm going to manifest pathogenicity. And so the disease causing things are coming from poorly made compost, poor, well, like waterlogged soils. Uh, we know the smells are the swampy smells. And that means that we actually have an opportunity to, to make incredible soil, to, to partner with all the, the, these things that are happening and, and also to touch the infinite because there's an infinite expression. And, and it's so hard to track these things because if they move that fast while you're trying to break its DNA, it's of course going to react to the stress. And so I imagine that as the break, you break down the DNA of the ones uh, that are weak, that are easier to break down. The other ones are actually absorbing it. And you know what I mean? Like there's, there's chaos. And so that's why I've been, I've been using DNA sequencing, but also questioning how they use it because they're like, this is the way it is. This, this is the, the, the cookie cutter truth. And uh, we're done here. No one questioned me. Like they're crazy. 
<laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? It's, uh, it's been said that science only advances one funeral at a time because the old dogs in the profession, everybody like sort of tiptoes around their established ideas not challenging their research because of needing to keep their reputation and tenure. And of course the ones that have had the established idea and become famous in the field, don't want to give up the very ideas that they got them their so-called credibility. So mm -hmm. you could call science seanceism like my buddy Gabriel, because a lot of what passes for dogma in science is like just invoking the name of some old dead guy and being like, he said so. <laughs> and that's why this I is know. true. It's hearsay, right? And so I, I know William Padilla Brown was was working with fungi, pure cultured fungi, and it read in the sequencer as bacteria. And does that mean that, like, as things are breaking and decomposing down, we're seeing all this fungi on the surface of it? Are the fungi absorbing the DNA that's coming out? Are they like, is that like, are they like expressing from that? Like, it's really wild when you start breaking these things down and asking fundamental questions, because that would mean that like, like there's all these people proposing things like our bacteria can become any cell, just like Bruce Lipton's uh, human cell put into a different condition and in a different environment can express any, like a stem cell can express your brain, your muscles, like organs, and that's the beauty of stem cells. We know it works. It's saving people all the time. But that seems to be how the microbes work. The environment changes how they express. And it changes their species in E. coli through horizontal gene transfer. And it's happening constantly, like, a, like, like waves of change and response and growth. And because it's so fluid and because of the way we used to do things was like a snapshot and a snapshot. And then they like talk from these snapshots instead of like videos. And, and then, you know, it's, we have this very, very old way of doing things. Like even the microscopes, they're linear. Like one of the things that I like figured out was like light at different angles allows you to see things completely differently. Light at a combination of angles creates um, the ability to see structure because it might it like illuminates. I think it actually technically is illuminating like 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 the calcium, um, and so you're seeing the structure of the cells. Like um, it's a it's a specific angle. This light field thing I figured out. But to bring it all back, <laughs> we all can be participating in what baffles scientists when you actually get down to that actual pinpoint layer of what really is going on here. Um, we're at the cutting edge when we're making compost, when we're using effective microbes, EM, you know, EM1 from like Terra Organics to, to make Bokashi and to, to make it so that our chicken yard doesn't stink. And you can make the same thing with lab, like lactobacillus. This is more than lab. That's the pro, but that we, we can be participating in all of this and, and, and creating a, a world that's much more natural than it once was. And once we begin doing that, it opens up amazing pathways within us as people. We begin to see the world completely differently. We begin to value different things and our habits. Everything begins to change. 
And that's why I, I say to people sometimes, it's like, we need to inoculate, like we need to give people good food, but it's also like, we need to inoculate people with like, um, like a different way of thinking about the world that they're in. And that's what you're doing here. <laughs> that's the whole reason I do it is for myself, because I learned a long time ago that my limitations were basically boundaried by what I thought was possible. And that's why the, <laughs> that's why media can be so toxic because it boxes people in into a worldview of fear, death, lack, scarcity, you know, constantly. So what you're doing here is showing people that the very simplest act of what humans have been doing since time immemorial is still so connected to the deepest mystery of what life is and how life works that, like you said, just making compost and doing it in the best way possible, good, uh, good, better, best <laughs> is like the cutting edge of human knowledge, despite the fact of how long we may have been here. There's so much in what you're talking about that blows my mind. and. <laughs> like I'm wondering are you are you uh agreeing then that kind of like viruses are are somewhat misdescribed or very misdescribed and with the well, DNA where, being where so are we durable looking, right it's I think yeah. it depends on where we look because if you look in the literature there's viruses that are messengers there's viruses that are signals because they're they're not harmful and then they have endophytes microbes that are in plants that actually retask viruses. That's been proven. Like fusarium wilt um, with like a pseudomonas, a particular pseudomonas with a tomato plant, it showed that the virus was then given like, and, the, and pathogens also are given tasks to do. And so... So like with pathogens that maybe come from bad soil conditions, is that like nature's way of saying, hey, you're doing this wrong? And so they give you the, it's like a messenger through the pathogen is sent to the human. Like this is, you are ill now. And it's because of what you did to the soil here. Cause if the human had left it alone, it probably wouldn't have developed pathogenic uh, traits, right? Like out, out in untouched nature, everything is probably quite healthy and safe to touch other than things that are toxic in a defensive way, like, you know, plants and animals. I think a lot of it's like osmosis, right? So things are so out of balance that like, like if we take go, if we take biochar uh, or just char before it's biochar and you take that charcoal and you mix it in with forest soil, it's going to just rip apart that forest soil. And so it's that, that, that hunger, that hunger of it, that, that is going to uh, be destructive. Um Shoot, I lost my train of thought. Say the question again. <laughs> well, it just basically was getting into like viruses being misdescribed or right. at least misconstrued by most people that would consider themselves laymen. That right. uh, what I was kind of putting forward is that generally, like they're always informational, even if things are pathogenic on a bacteria or viral level, they're still uh, pathogenic as a message from the environment to the human who altered that environment potentially to generate the consequence of getting sick. Yeah. So it's a message it is, but it's also like an equilibrium, like trying to compost us. So like, we're yeah, filtered, so that was like what I was really thinking, like, but that's the not so nice version of it. But yeah, it's true. That's what cancer is, right? Cancer is us being a filter for, for the poison in nature. And so because we killed off the filtration systems in nature, we're forced to be the filtration. 
That's all the trees, deep. all the watersheds wow. are gone. Where do the toxins go? How are they supposed to be removed from our environment if we don't have healthy soils? If we not, if we don't have proper composting, if we're not cleaning up our waterways so our waterways have waggle and that slow, and then all the edges of them are living instead of concreted, like in LA and California. Like if we don't let nature do the services of cleaning the air and water, we are physically the filtration system for that. And so that's the brutal truth. Um, and so that's why it's so rough for people who are living in cities that are, that are really toxic uh, because it's like, there's no plants, there's no soil. It's just you. I had to write that down. If we don't let nature do the filtration of toxins, we become the filtration system for them. That is that makes more sense than like anything <laughs> ever. <laughs> that's that's brilliant. I mean, it could be a little creepy to think about, but the great thing oh, is the times. world is so large oh, that you, you have a huge impact on your own immediate environment. And uh, man, so I'm I'm really interested in this concept too of um, the durability of DNA. That mm. like is nature keeping a record from the past forever to always be able to like bring back things that would be the right thing for a particular environment? Yeah, on a fungal level, one hundred percent, like like one thousand percent. That's the truth. Like all the DNA from all the fungi and the bacteria for for because it takes all right. So in nature, they say it can take weeks up to a millions of years theoretically for DNA to start breaking down and then eventually be broken down. And so they don't know. <laughs> That's what they do when, when they don't know. Um, they don't know. I mean, when we try to break DNA down, it's, it's very difficult. Fungi spores, we take out into space and take back and then they like do their thing just fine. Does that mean if an asteroid hits us and smashes everything apart, the spores on the side that wasn't like burned up, but just broke apart and just sent out? Those spores land on another thing that's water philic and has, has, has energy and warmth. And then fungi begins there. That's the whole mycogenesis theory. And it's fascinating. I mean, what else is there that's this indestructible on earth that's living? That makes sense to me that the purpose of life is to go on and that it would be designed in such a way that it would eternally return to the conditions in which that it can ex expand and express itself. And, and I, like I cosmologically, agree. I kind of, I don't really think of universe as actually having a beginning or end because on a philosophical level existence <laughs> must, if, if there's such a thing as existence, then existence exists and there's no non-existence. So how could there be like a pre-existence post-existence, you know? So I kind of like just throw out the, big bangs and the, in the beginnings and things like that. And look at nature as a, the circle that it is the perfect symbol of wholeness. And then we can just like figure out where we're at on the circle <laughs> and uh, do our best to get in the middle where we have the most room to, uh, to wiggle and express ourselves. Yeah. There's so much, there's so many mysteries out there like this that we actually can, can, can participate in. Um, I'm creating this database right now so that people can start comparing their tests because in soil, it's all been like a black box. It's been, uh, and people 
complained for years about how it's rife with false positives and all these mistakes and these tests have limitations, but no one shows their answers. <laughs> and so we're not doing anything about it. It's been like this stalemate. And, and everyone's got these camps. There's the biology people who are like, all you need is biology. Give me your best compost and we're done. And then there's like the mineral people who are like, well, you need your minerals and you need them in the right kinds. And then you need to give the, the right minerals so that it feeds the microbes. You know what I mean? And so it's like they're all kind of just coming at it from a different angle. Um, and putting it together has been what I've been doing with my work with regenerative soil. But the thing is, when we map things out, when we align things in a, in a way that allows us to see across, like, we've never done that before. Like, they've never actually taken, and I've done it with studies, and, but they've never actually taken communities or large surveys of soil health and alignment with plant health. And that's, like, what my work has been all about, because that's the only way you figure out which practices work best, that good, better, best that you were talking about. And it's, and, and also it's like, okay, timing of planting. Uh, why is it? Oh, I understand why the universities don't want us to like <laughs> see the relevance of like our, our, our ancestors ways of doing things. I get that. They feel very, very sensitive and they're competitive. Um, but we want to know if the moon cycles are what people say they are in terms of planting, because I think that would change everything. If we knew for certain that now is the time, you have two weeks, people would do things. They would recognize that there's also human behaviors that go better at the beginning of that cycle and things that work better at the second, you know, and it would change and it would, they would, they would lose their, 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 their power over us in some manifestation in their minds, uh, because, um, they're like this, they, they think of themselves as all knowing. And the reality is, is the only way we know anything is to create a picture frame or a lens that allows us to see nature and the natural cycles more clearly and in all the full mystery and wonder. Because huh, if you're looking authentically at nature, that's always there and that's what's beguiled people for so long and that's why this like past of genetic information embedded in the soil and also the surfaces of things people are like "Ooh, this house has bad energy it's like that person's dna is all over that place and you like yeah bad things happen though that was a bad person it's like your biome's like get me out of here this is not it feel invaded by this negative energy and their their actual biology is all over everything you know and so yeah that's uh that's a mind-blowing concept it's completely overlooked because it's beyond what we can see with our eyes but we do feel it. DNA has so much going on with it. I, <laughs> I want to return to that for sure. I'm going to take note. There's a lot of threads to pull on with it, but with DNA, but I want to where we're at right now in the show in the first hour, um, maybe because <laughs> this is, this happens to me all the time, but like, I, w- I want to maybe be more introductory, go from the, the beginnings and the basics, but it just goes straight to the deep end. Uh, and I like that. But what I want to discuss is right now, like, with it, you have so much knowledge on soil health and how it impacts biology. Uh, and, you know, that's one of the things that's more murky for me as a pretty novice gardener. Like, 
how to make sure my soil is correct or how to know. And other than, of course, the results of what the plants are like. So maybe like sketch out a roadmap for somebody in a backyard garden situation. Maybe they are unsure if a previous owner sprayed chemicals in the backyard, or maybe they know that they did before they learned better, you know, uh, like take take us on a little journey from, I don't know anything about my soil to I've got great soil. So the only way to know if we've cleaned up things is always to test. I'm just going to put that out there because we can because everyone has variable amounts of different things. And then your soil chemistry is going to be different. And so it's going to hold or repel things differently. So in terms of like um, remediation, when it comes from, from a chemical standpoint, I'm just going to put that first, but compost, really good compost actually has the remediating microbes in it. And so watering that in, adding to your lawn, you know, in a slurry, so it mixes in, you know, it doesn't like lay on top, um, or even a compost tea extract can be incredibly beneficial. Inoculate, and, and I, I'm going to start at the lawn level, right? Right. Um, you can inoculate it with arbuscular mycorrhizal fungi, AMF. There's tons of these, and it, it, Mycos has them. Um, I have it right here. So this is this is an example of it. It's a wettable powder. You could be mixing this with your with your water and make sure it's not chlorinated, right? And then and then you could be watering this into your lawn, and that would increase their ability to take up phosphorus by ten thousand percent. That would make it so that they would increase their roots by hundreds of times. That would make it so that. They, they were able to get internally nutrition independent of the soil because they have these endophytes. Uh, well, these mycorrhizal relationship that will, that will actually foster those endophytes. Um, and then what is an endophyte? An endophyte is, is, so when plants are really healthy, they've always found these microbes living inside them. And those microbes are cueing the plant or creating themselves the smells and tastes and colors that we associate with the healthiest plant. So they're the regulators. Plants are kind of like us in that, you know, there's many uh, bacterial cells in the plant as there are plant cells, just like in a human gut, there's so much going on back in on our skin and everywhere where we're more than just one type of organism. That's amazing in the sense that like each life form, whether a plant or a human or an animal is itself like this uh, amazing mixture of the infinite varieties of what nature could possibly be like all in one being. Uh, It's like this fractal uh, where each each living being is itself a reflection of the larger environment of nature. Yeah, plants internally have a microbiome that we, you know, like Dr. Zach Bush talks how we have a microbiome and and we need to nourish it. Uh, It's the same thing for plants. And what's wild is the endophytes that I'm talking about. Um, These right here, you can see have a person and his digestion. In other words, this is organic CCOF edible endophytes. So they're plant endophytes, but they're also good for our digestion and they also help compost they guide compost and, may, and, and, and they, they protect your compost so that it doesn't go um, 
uh, bad and it's in, it's in all of us, meaning it's a feedback loop through our bodies, just like, you know, the nitrogen fixing uh, inoculants you put on your beans to make the nodules. So they fix nitrogen. So they make your cover crop have nitrogen brought back into your soil. Those are actually already in the digestion of all the ruminants that eat legumes because it doesn't go away when we compost, it comes out and it's, it's in all, it's in all stages. But these microbes are feedback loops. So they're carrying information from the soil, from the food, from into us, back into it. If we do human or compost properly and safely, you, you actually create an informational feedback loop between yourself and in your environment in a way that all humans had. Originally. So it's almost like those bacteria that are riding along through the whole process of life of the plant, digestion, compost, back into the soil, and and then et cetera in a rotation. It's kind of like for them, they're going through spring, summer, fall, winter, the way that we do. Yes, and they're the alchemists that make everything possible. So without them, if we suddenly lost all the microbes in all of our guts all over the world, we'd die. If all the plants did it too, they would all be prone to disease. And they'd have to spray fungicides, insecticides, and pesticides every year more and more. To Wait a second. That's what happened. Yeah. They killed the guts of our plants. Just like they did with all. And, and how many of you, I mean, so many of you, I bet, have gut issues because you had too many antibiotics when you were kids. Because they literally gave us antibiotics for everything. You've got a short knee. You have some antibiotics. Oh, yeah, it's hit your arm. Yeah, looks like a little script. Looks like like that's what they did for everything. And then killed our, our microbiomes and all those creams and everything and all those like antimicrobial soaps like ruined our, our, our. And that's why so many people like early in permaculture were like, I haven't showered in three years and I feel wonderful. And it's like, yeah, because you're trying to rebuild your basics, you know, your actual microbiome. So, yeah. Yeah, just that word antibiotic means anti-life. That's literally what it means. It's so crazy. So many things are right in front of us, right? So many of these, these abusive systems that are just that, like they're slaps in the face. Like my son, who's 15, and my son, who were both boys, 11 and 15, they'll notice things and be like, Dad, like, are they, are they like, like, like trolling people on this? Like, they're not even like trying to hide the fact that like they're racist. Like, like they're just like pretending it's like they've actually made it worse by, like, <sighs> yeah, it's really wild when people can like, like the emperor wears no clothes moment. You know what I mean? There's so many people posturing and trying to do things to take advantage right now, more than I've ever been, witnessed. In my, it's like all the con artists got a budget or something. <laughs> right. And, and, and it's left people like us to, to, to form communities where we can develop clarity or we can be vulnerable and be like, hey, guys, you guys seeing this? And everyone be like, yeah, I see it. Yeah. It's like, these are what the facts look like. This is what my test looks like. This is what I'm doing. And this is what I'm seeing. And everyone's like, okay, this is what I'm doing too. This is what I'm saying too. 
and it, and it creates truth. And yes, truth is always changing. We're always growing and we're always learning because we're getting better at that good, better, best of perception and discernment. That's always true. But that pursuit of truth, we're all seeing eye to eye more and more. I was, t- I was talking to my son earlier this week. I'm like, the fact that like in the comedic world that they're turning on people because they know they're cheating on their, those, those particular comics are cheating on their wives. The rest of the community is turning on them. It's like, that's huge. People are seeing eye to eye and be like, no, 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 no. We don't want that energy. We don't, we, we can't have that anymore. It's, it's too late for that. We're done. And it's like, we're, we're, we're changing. We're, we're seeing clearly and we're gathering around this, this new way of thinking, this new way of asking questions and working together. And I think part of it's the inoculation, right? I mean, like I started making my own kefir. 15, 12 to 15 years ago, I started, you know, making my, my growing my own food over 10 years ago or 12 years ago. Like I started saving seeds, creating that feedback loop and making sure that they're living seeds. So they, you know, the seeds, they, they, they treat the seeds with stuff that's antimicrobial. The seeds are actually meant to be covered with a shield of microbes Kind of like the difference between uh, washed and unwashed chicken eggs. Yeah. Nature already had it right. What are you doing? <laughs> but that's how it is. Babies too. How many doctors are kind of like raring to go? Let's do a C-section. Missing all that, all that um, bacteria that you'd get from going through the normal birth canal as a baby. Yeah. Or how they have them have that that shot that makes them go into contractions and it stresses the baby out. And then they have to take the baby out because it's not stressed, but they were the one who gave you the contraction medication that made the baby stressed. And they knew it would cause you to need to feel compelled to it's not coming. And, Oh, you know, it's, it's terrible. Um, I, I, the upside of being in the, the upside down world that we've come through is that, we have our directions and orientation pretty figured out like, okay, so basically everything's opposite day <laughs> that what, whatever they, whatever they told us, we're playing opposite day. I get it. But what's so weird chance is that like 2020 hit and so many people that like, I thought like, we're like totally aware we're in opposite world. You don't trust what those people say. They like, we're like, and they like, they like stepped in line and like, what, what happened? Where are you going? And they all just like became like robots and they were like, excuse you, one, four, five, seven. And you're like, what happened? Like they became Yeah, I remember robots. at the, the very like, I don't know, March or April 2020 when it's all starting to pop off. I remember this thought I had where I was like, oh shit, I could get sick. What if I got sick? What if I died? And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, I know this vibration. This is fear. Uh, all right. So now I understand what this whole thing is and I was done with it immediately. And I wasn't afraid from that point on, but I think a lot of people probably had that moment of like, yes, it is. I could die. I am scared. And then dark side, <laughs> just like Yoda yeah. says. Yeah. When you let those things in, they, they have the ability to become. Um, and, and I think that so much of this has been, I mean, when I talk about DNA, I'm sure several people are like, hmm, 
what does he mean by that? And it's like, I don't do PCR because of the whole delay pedal thing. So like if we're in a band and the lead guitar puts a delay pedal on, that's okay during the solo. And it's like really cool. Wow. You know, but if we just went crazy, you put a delay pedal on the snare, on the kick, on the hi-hat, on the, like, and then every other instrument, the keyboard, and then it would just make this chaos of like, blah, 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 blah. and that's what the up, like turning up the cycles does is the frequency on the delay pedal with PCR. You, you strip the DNA down the middle and you bond it with, with a prefabricated DNA halves that they have with yeah and then they read it and if you take it up to 400 cycles in which that's what they did you can read it as anything when it's blood or soil so i already knew this because i couldn't do pcr and get anything out of it this is why people isolate in mycology their samples to just one thing and it's a pure like like little petri dish and then they're like putting that and then they're pcring that to get it amplified enough to actually sequence it. And then I'm like, how accurate is that? Yeah. Right? Convenient for the the whole mainstream narrative too, that the guy that created PCR happened to just drop dead while pretty healthy, right before everything started happening in 2020. Uh, Carrie he Mullis said it was just, non-diagnostic too. Yeah. He, he explicitly said it. He spoke out against a lot of dumb stuff in the, the cult of scientism. Now, when I say that, I'm not, calling all science a cult or false, but like clearly when you make authority your truth instead of truth, the authority you're in the same conditions as a religious cult. And that's why when you try to murder people who go against your way of thinking or destroy them, like their reputation and essentially make it so they can't live, you know, functionally murder them. Right. Um, Socially murder them. Um, that, 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 that's what they do too. And that's like a cult. They seek these people out. They, they harass them. I think of Tyrone Hayes, uh, Tyrone Haynes. Um, he is the one who did the toxic baby Ted talk where they exposed how atrazine was screwing up the, uh, the, the genitalia of all the fish and all the frogs. And then they showed how it affects humans, does the same exact thing. And screws up their ability to reproduce. And it makes it so that they are predominantly hermaphroditic. And so he proved this. And then immediately, like, they attacked him forever and harassed him and physically like, attacked him and his wife and all of this. And it's like, that's the sign of a cult. Right? Right? And so it's like, they try to kill you if you, if you question, like, the, the dogma or try to leave. And, and Tyrone, like, like transformed and like says that long earrings and like paints his nails and like looks like a person like that his attacker would look like quite often to, uh, to actually disarm them psychologically camouflage yeah but also to psychologically disarm them i think um and because he's like i'm you i'm just we're we're, we're in this together i just did the science it's just what i see ah, you know <laughs> but 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 that's the thing is it's like they've created this animosity around something that obviously is a chemical attack, a chemical, like a huge, super fun thing happened and got covered up in all these key areas and no one wants to take the blame. And so 
Well, speaking of chemical attacks, I'd like to uh, on going back to the soil thing. You know, what are some methods or or information that you've got available if it requires more explanation that you can point people to for making their soil less toxic than you know maybe they sprayed for bugs or they sprayed well, Roundup or things rain. like that. So even if you haven't sprayed it, Roundup's in the rain. Microplastics are in the rain. They're in our blood. Like everything's contaminated <laughs> to a degree. And so that's why like people talk about how kefir digests microplastics. People talk about like, then they do. If they've shown these things and then, and then they've also, you know, they've, they've, they've shown that in the soil compost has all the abilities to digest all these things over time at the right amounts. And if it's good and has all the right microbes. So getting inoculants for all your plants. So mycorrhizal inoculants, that match the plant. So most, mostly it's endomycorrhizal. Mostly it's our muscular mycorrhizal fungi. And the easy part is most of them already have it. And you can just look for mycorrhizal inoculants. I'll just grab a few of these. Um, and the thing is with all of this, it's like we need to do the work ourselves because no one's going to do it for us. And so inoculating our plants, like it's as easy as dusting your roots or the cube that's out of your, 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 your small plant tray and then planting that and having that establish itself with mycorrhizae. And then you have the beginning of your highway, your internet of the soil of fungi right there. So this is a great company. This is solid. So it, it uh, like uh, it grows itself with the the plants. Like since we're talking about microbes, it's like you, you start with a little bit, but it multiplies. The plant feeds them. And if you did this on all your perennials, those perennials would establish. And then the mycorrhizal associations would begin to communicate with each other and hypothetically connect. And it, it really depends on a bunch of different factors. But but you will develop the communication network that the bacteria and the nutrients will all be able to flow over. And as the, the health of the system builds, you'll have like nutrients communicated across kilometers. If you have the space within seconds, like that's how fast these things, like I said, these things move so fast it beguiles the mind. And that's why so many of these hard facts you know, it's like, hmm, maybe the, the microbes do react as we try to break them down. Maybe, you know what I mean, there's more to compost than, than we thought. Maybe, you know, Rupert Steiner and, and biodynamics roots in Europe and those, those country farmers were on to something. And, 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 and I would say that the best thing to do is to start making compost. And I would do it in such a way that makes it easy. I've got, I've got directions and recipes in my book, Regenerative Soil, that's available on my website, thepromocoachstudent.com or on Amazon. But you also could just, you, you, you could watch a YouTube video on how to do a hot compost. I got plenty of those as well. Um, so, so it's any level, everyone can get involved. It's a human right to do this. I even have a 400 plus page book where I talk about many of these things on YouTube for free, right? It's an audio book and shows all the pictures as you go through it. And you can even download the entire 400 page 
peer-reviewed permaculture textbook for free. Um, so, so I really that, want that to is such a huge gift to humanity, man. Wow. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, no, I felt that. I mean, when I wrote it, it was such a big thing. Like there was over 24 different reviewers involved. I had a global, like uh, a professional global editor who usually does French and Chinese translations for English. And so it was like this big effort and they all like donated their time for me. And so I was like, you know what? I donate this to the world because it was such like a powerful thing. And also I wanted it to just spread because in permaculture, so much of like, like the, the dynamic accumulator myth, it's like, there's things that spread that were just gardening myths. And we needed to link things to like actual working examples and show like what's really possible and what, I mean, it's 10x more than like what we thought, which is so amazing, incredible. And so it's really an update on so many of the things from the Bill Mollison's 80s, 80s stuff. So that's free. That's for everyone. But everyone can get involved. I mean, let's say you're retired and you have a back problem and you're like, I don't know if I can do compost, Matt. You can actually do things in a Bokashi bucket and you can even do bones. You can do meat and it's using these same microbes and you can be digesting these on the kitchen counter without any smell. It's really, really amazing. They do it all over Japan. That's where that that process comes from. And so, and and that's because they're all in, you know, in cities and they're in little apartments and it's like, what do you do with all the organic waste? Well, they've got a history of dealing with it wisely because of the Edo period when they had even more people than they do now in Tokyo, pretty wild to think about. More overpopulation in the 1700s and now. Um, and so. But yet we're we supposed to be super scared of overpopulation, dude. Well, that's the weird thing is they actually don't have enough young people. And so they're flipped. And China is about to be flipped because they don't have enough young people either. That's happening people, basically everywhere. Uh-huh. Depopulation is, is actually the crisis. And it's because we. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's really bad. Um, we we need people to have children, big families come back, um, and also people to raise their kids in ways that are liberating. So we unschooled, we homeschooled. I raised my children in a permaculture setting, so they were growing their food. They were, I mean, my son and I built this auto composter, which has <laughs> it has a, a bounce house blower. And it's going to be on and off. It's got a timer and it'll blow air beneath it. It's got a perforated tube dug out beneath it under hardware cloth. So it's like a four foot high compost pile that's like 25 feet long and like four or five feet wide. And it's huge. It's like a log. And it's it's going to do it all itself. I got a water ring on top, like a... Um, uh, one of those drip, wa- drip drip lines on top and then below it's got the air. And so I actually can can make it so that it runs all itself and I don't have to actually turn the compost. There are other ways to make auto composters happen. So you make compost easy and fast. You could be doing your compost in a bin where you have pipes that are perforated. And, and after the hot composting time period, you pull out the pipes and the, the holes stay and just because the diffusion of air, just like we're talking about, like the equilibrium, it actually is acts as an aeration method and you never need to turn it. So it's actually quite easy to make compost and it's empowering. 
It's incredibly powerful. And, and you're partaking part in the mystery. And you're also, I mean, if you wanted to, you could start taking part in, in the, in the science side of it. I mean, the microscopes, um, are how we look at compost and our soil to understand things. And I, I, I want to start mapping more relationships, like the, the whole effect of, of the moon. I think it actually affects the microbes because if it affects the tides, um, everything is dependent in the soil upon moisture. So as the fluctuation happens, I'm sure it affects the soil and the soil microbes. Well, we've never mapped that. But I think you might be on to something, too, because uh, people who are into like detoxing the body and cleansing and parasite removal say that you can more easily kick parasites out of your body. I think on the new moon, people should look that up and make sure I didn't just get it opposite. But there is a moon correlation to like uh, parasite issues in the body. So parasites are generally microbial, but also sometimes bigger. (laughs) Still, like the fact that the moon ties into that makes perfect sense that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I have no doubt that the moon affects the cycles of, uh, of plants. I think that it would be silly to question such an ancient and long established, uh, idea when humans have been growing food and depending on the food growing way more for survival than we do currently. Like, why would they just <laughs> hold something in such high importance that is irrelevant? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been thinking about the way we build our houses, the way they're aligned. I had an art teacher in, in high school that actually built his entire house around the golden ratio. And he was a musician. You would like my buddy Topher. He's um, been on the show before. He's going to hear this and he's going to want to talk to you. But he does like uh, he does biochar and um, biodynamic farming and permaculture. And he's a super good bamboo expert. But also he builds structures in like dome shapes and, and alternative shapes to squares and 90 degree hard angles. Pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. I think that we're going to find that um, we're going to find like very interesting relationships, like, like talking about like bamboo or like structural, like, like timber crops and everything. I think we're going to find specific endophytes that we are in preload with um, like carbon and other things that are going to change the density and the quality of the materials. And so microbes, you want to me? I was going to say that makes sense because I I believe like the dome structures, if you're living in the jungle, you don't get bugs inside your uh, structure the same way. If you have no corners, they like attracted to those type of intersections and they they think they can hide there or something. I don't know, but you don't get nearly as many creepy crawlies. So it makes sense that you could use structure to influence the way that the, uh, (laughs) <laughs> the environment was manifesting, especially on the smaller scale. We got a couple minutes yeah. left in the first hour though. Let's see about wrapping up our current thoughts and carry over. Okay. Yeah. So, um, in, I guess in review, <laughs> compost is, is, is the key. Uh, and it's the starting place. And as we get better at it, we refine it. And I think everyone should, dive in and start composting everything that they can. That's very good advice. And I'd love for you to give your uh, websites and YouTube channel and anything else you want people to be aware of how they can contact you or benefit from all the great work you're doing. This has been amazing. I think 
uh, we'll, we have another hour to go, but I think I'm going to need to talk to you more than once. You have so much good knowledge. Oh, thank you so much, Chance. Well, I am the permaculture student on, well, Matt Powers, the permaculture student on YouTube. And I am the permaculturestudent.com website and regenerativesoilscience.com website. So I have a very large community of the in the advanced permaculture student online. And it was the first community to have the advanced PDC, which is real examples. And so PDCs traditionally were just designs, but we make these things real. And that's been what it's all about is empowering people. Uh, so, so check out that stuff. There's a lot of free books. There's free courses and stuff for everyone. So enjoy. Awesome, dude. Yeah. The reason I introduced you as a superhero was not hyperbole. I feel like it's as simple as it is. The most heroic act is to take back our connection to the source of as many things as possible in life. And food is what is more important for life to continue than what you eat. So going through the rest of our time here with our source disconnected from us in the food realm, I think it's going to continue to leave us feeling blocked in terms of knowing our source on a spiritual transcendental level. Like I'm sure we can talk about this an hour or two, but I'd love to see what you think about the idea that like getting more in, in tune with nature, knowing the source of as much as possible that is part of your life and environment, feeling closer in a spiritual sense to the divine in some way. That'd be a really cool topic. So it's been awesome. I really love having you here. Uh, we'll hold that thought and see people on the other side. Make sure you check out Matt Powers, the permaculturestudent.com. And if you want to catch the second hour of this, you know what, where it is. Patreon or Rockfin. It's going to be awesome. Thanks, dude. Thank you. phenomenal episode thank you everybody for tuning in stick around for my outro i'll go over a few things that are worth hearing about in my opinion first of all huge thank you to matt powers i love this guy the enthusiasm is so powerful definitely a well-named individual loving it excited to bring him back i think we'll do a vibrant sooner than later with matt it would be awesome to do like a Q&A session because I know a lot of you people out there are working on your own gardens and homesteads and we're all on varying levels of the path. 
I'm pretty early in the path of greening up my thumbs. <laughs> so if you want to hear the second hour of this show, first of all, I highly recommend it. There's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of good juice in the realm of like the spiritual aspect of what Matt's all about. He's a deep dude. So you can get that on Rockfin or Patreon, rockfin.com slash interverse, patreon.com slash interverse. Check the show notes and you'll see links to that. Uh, Rockfin's $10 a month. You get access to everybody's premium content on the whole network, including a recent episode of Dan Shukas from Cosmic Keys, his new Rockfin only show Speakeasy, which is a premium Rockfin show. You can go catch me psychoanalyzing Dan. <laughs> We do some fun stuff. I throw some tarot and I Ching cards out. Good combo. Good combo. And you can also get my extended content on Patreon, $5 a month. You only get my stuff, but there are some added benefits to the Patreon version of the membership because you can get a uh, RSS feed for the audio version of the podcast to plug into your favorite player. Now, in this extension... We talked about Matt's book about cultivating unstoppable enthusiasm. I didn't even know he had a book about that. I kind of went in a little un, uneducated about Matt. I wanted him to just like lay it on me as if I was a novice, which I am. So it was really cool to hear him describe like his whole philosophy about charging up your enthusiasm so that it becomes perpetual and self-generating. Very helpful. Enthusiasm. Entheos. <laughs> he says, when you're in alignment with the purpose of your life, you download the energy of the universe. Very wise and powerful words. So we got into his daily practices, meditative rituals, talking about some Qigong type stuff, which was cool because the next couple of episodes of Interverse are going to really heavily focus on that type of thing. And uh, time bending, <laughs> you know, like sharpening the axe, making more time for yourself by making the time, taking the time to do what it is that you need to be at your sharpest. And then uh, we discussed the like heart math resonance of the human biofield in conjunction with the plant intelligence and communicating with nature innately that we do all the time. Uh, we discussed, it was a very spiritual second hour. He talked about like faith as a muscle and affirmations for manifestation. He touched on the Wheel of Time book series, which is new to me. And he also talked about the flow state as like a way of touching the infinite. So we spent a lot of time on the spiritual gravy in the hour too, but it does circle back around to this conversation about like we affect the microbes in the environment and they affect us back. So that's a little bit of a synopsis of hour two, but it's huge, jam-packed, very inspirational, enthusiastic as can be. So a few of the other things I wanted to get to, you know, permaculture is very resonant with the idea of biofield tuning, like I do with my tuning forks for clients. Please hit me up if you feel like there's a little bit of a hitch in your flow that could be improved by a session with me. They are always effective. I have not yet had a client that was like, I wasted my money on that. In fact, results vary but they're always exactly what the individual needed at the time and i hear some pretty amazing stuff about people's uh you know follow-up time after they've had a session and what's changed for them so get in touch chance at interversepodcast.com or go to my website the sound healing tab on the shop page 
or check the show notes for a link to any of that. Also, we can sling some cards. I do I Ching and tarot reads for people, spiritual counseling from the wisdom of the universe and your own inner voice that you will hear more clearly whenever uh, we're reflecting together with the beautiful archaic symbol systems of I Ching and tarot. And for sure, like permaculture is really about improving nature's communication ability with itself. And that's what tuning is all about. I think all healing wholeness is about improving the pathways of communication from all parts of the all to all other parts of the all. <laughs> it's uh, the organic network. And it's fascinating too, to consider how the ideas of like demons and angels and things like that could be reflected not just in the macro scale, like the sky clock, but also in the micro world, as in the microbial world. Since we do know that our biome does have a huge influence on our thinking, our feelings, our motivations, our uh, desires, our ups and downs, you know? So it makes a lot of sense what Matt is talking about in this episode, too. Yeah, to grow your own food, you are putting your own essence into the land and the land is learning from your essence and giving back to you what you need most. And then you're taking in the essence of the land and getting better adapted to the land. And it's just this awesome positive feedback loop. I do try to eat local when I can, but it's still not the same as if I was growing most of my own food. That is a huge goal for my life. Now that I've manifested the uh, the dream job of podcasting, that is the, one of the next big things on my list is to be in a position to grow my own food or, you know, work collaboratively with others to do that in some way where I'm connecting to that circle of life more directly with a better degree of communication. Very exciting stuff. Uh, other things to talk to you about. So there are a couple of events heading our way this year that I'm going to attend and maybe I can see some of you there. I know there's a lot of new bears from the Owen Benjamin tribe watching the show these days after he came on and blew us up. And there's a Bertaria festival meetup in Missouri. I think it's in like Southeast Missouri. Don't quote me on that, but it's not very far from me. And that is the Labor Day weekend. It's a camping festival on private land. It's going to be super lit. I will be there. Might even possibly be able to do a speaking gig there. Still waiting to see if that all works out. But I will bring my forks and my cards and <laughs> I'll be roaming around seeing who can I, I can synchronistically link up to. And maybe, maybe that's you. So check it out. BearTariaTimes.com, I think is the website for that. Yeah. Let me, let me just make sure I'm not lying. Yeah. BearTaria, B-E-A-R-T-A-R-I-A, Times.Events. So check that out. Come hang out with us on Labor Day weekend. Jason Lingren will be there. Topher Gardner will be there and lots of other awesome people. Uh, the other one is music and sky festival that is coming up in October. I will for sure be there too. And that is on the far left coast, the California tribe maybe can meet up with me there. That's going to be a huge event. Lots of music, lots of speakers, all totally, totally aligned with uh, our intentions and our whole spiritual direction here on interverse. Excited as can be about that. And man, I've already got a couple of episodes coming up that are pre already recorded that are going to blow your mind. So stay tuned. Stay tuned and do me a favor if you don't mind. This is a free favor. Share the podcast if you like it with, with 
maybe like, you know, you can share it on social media and all that. But what I think is the best way to do it is to one-to-one share something with somebody that you know will resonate with whatever the episode is. You know, I, I would, I like that one-to-one connection. Like, Hey, I know you would dig this specifically you and maybe instigate conversation about it or who knows. But I think that's a better strategy overall than like just scattergun shooting episodes on the platforms through posts that are going to be possibly shadow banned due to the content of what I'm doing anyway. I don't know. So you guys are my marketing team. <laughs> I appreciate that. Appreciate all the support you guys give me and all the different ways you do it. Join our Telegram channel. Please do. It is amazing. It is full of brilliant geniuses. If you want, you know, the connection to tribe, if you want there to be a place to land for you besides just maybe the live chats or comment sections of episodes, then for sure check out the Interverse Telegram chat. It is awesome. That is also linked in the show notes and everything I talked about is mostly linked in the show notes. You might have to go look up BertariaTimes.events or the Music and Sky Festival, but I'll be reminding you guys about that every episode till they show till we get there, probably, if I remember. <laughs> and yeah, really excited to talk to Matt Powers again in the near future. Thank you, Benjamin Balderson, for putting us in touch as well. Much love to you, Baldy. I'm going to play us out with a track called Breathe by Cadella. I should, I should breathe. I'm talking kind of fast right now. Busy day <laughs> trying to get it all in. Love you guys. I'll talk to you soon. And um, oh, yeah. And the day you're hearing this, there will have been a vibrant the previous day with Mike Winter of Alpha Vedic, which I didn't mention, but he's the guy throwing the Music in Sky Festival. So it is like an Alpha Vedic festival. Anyway, enjoy this uh, track, Breathe by Cadella. Hope you guys are having an awesome existence wherever you are, flowing through the infinite that you are. The mic, you know, let's keep going. <laughs> Open up to the possibility that you could have an omniscopic perception of the full 360 degrees of yourself, that you are the all. The all is you. There's no separation other than conceptual mental distance that we create for the useful experience of reflection. (laughs) So I love you all. Keep crushing. Bye-bye.